if you experienced a lot of chaos, if there was a lot of fighting or shouting, or maybe it was a really quiet house and that you didn't get spoken to a lot, all of that would create an unsafetiness because you're not really able to regulate your own emotions at those ages. You need help from your caregiver. We often hear people wishing us a long, happy, and healthy life. But what if the length isn't what matters most? What if instead it's the breath, depth, and purpose of each day that matters most? Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. My name is Annette Ardellian Kuzma, and join me weekly as I interview guests who made changes in their own lives to live more fully with intention, gratitude, and joy. Be prepared to be inspired by their stories of how they shifted their mindset, took courageous action, and designed the life that they always wanted to live. Welcome back to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. This week's guest is Christine Meyer, and she and I just had the most beautiful conversation. Her mission is to support individuals so they never feel alone, and her purpose is to shower them with love, value, and a profound sense of significance. She does this by guiding them to rekindle the deep connection and inherent worth within themselves all through the power of breath and the body. Christine is a compassionate and dedicated advanced trauma-informed breathwork guide. She also is a level two pause breathwork certified facilitator, one of 50 in the world right now across the globe. We had such a wonderful conversation. Christine spent some time talking about an injury that was life-changing for her and how she was able to overcome it. We talked a lot about her journey of self-discovery and spiritual growth and what impacted her experiences and really spoke a lot about gaining insights into the subconscious mind, the power of breath work, and the importance of body awareness. It was a really, really deep conversation and I enjoyed our time together and I think you will as well. Take a listen. Christine, I am so excited to have you on my show today. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Anetta. I'm so excited to be here. I just love being in your presence. And you and I, it's so crazy because for some people, I just felt like I think we met last year or a couple months ago. Thank you so much. I received that. And I feel the same way. The feeling's mutual. I think it's only been since August or September. I would love for you to share just a little bit about your story. I shared some of what you shared in terms of the bio on the recording, but I would love for you to just talk a little bit about who you are and maybe some of those moments in life that really made an impact as to who you are today. Oh, hello. Well, I'm Christine Meyer. I originate from Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada, and I've had quite the healing journey. It started, Mm -hmm. I think after my 30th birthday, I was in a long-term relationship and I ended up leaving that. I divorced and then I had lost my mom as well. And it really kind of just like woke me up from like the sleeping state than I was in. I felt like my twenties, I almost spent in like out of body almost because of how much things I had experienced. And one day I just woke up and I was like, Whoa, where am I in my life? I couldn't recognize myself in the mirror and I was not living the life that I wanted. I felt like I was living the life that other people 
wanted for me, or I thought I was supposed to have. And I changed everything pretty much. And I've just been growing since then and like rediscovering who I am, doing a lot of inner work, inner child work. And I found like God and like Jesus again as well into my life, which was absolutely profound because after I'd lost my mom, I really had a hard time with the idea of there being a God. And when I like had gotten woken up, I found him again. And I found myself again in that. And so I found breath work where you and I met actually is more through breath work and somatic coaching. And I had started my journey about 10 years ago and I found breath work about three years ago now during COVID. My dog had passed away and I had a very unhealthy relationship that was a, not a fun breakup. And I found breath work through that. I'd been dealing with a lot of anxiety and panic attacks and like body image issues. I was really struggling with that. And I started picking up making a new like morning routine and daily routine and completely changed my life. And with the breath work I added in as well. And it was really a profound change in how I saw the world, how I saw myself, how I interacted with people and my relationships. And I started meeting really wonderful people and making great friends. And, and then a couple other things happened during COVID. I had lost my job and I experienced a bad injury. And luckily I had breath work and the somatics to help me support getting through the trauma that I had experienced. So now when I wake up, I'm so grateful to be alive. I'm so happy to be here. Like my baseline is just much more peaceful and really a lot of gratitude every day. And I live my life like through intention. I mean, anybody that spends any time with you, we always say that you just are so lit up from within. You have just this sense of peace and this joy and beautiful, beautiful energy that you share so lovingly and willingly with everybody. And it's so interesting when people share their story because we are usually coming out of something to find that type of awakening. So mm -hmm. I'm really curious when you talked about feeling like maybe you were asleep in most of your 20s and focusing in on building a life that you thought you should be living or maybe what other people's had lived. And I think that resonates with so many people. So did something happen one day where you just looked at yourself and said, this doesn't feel right anymore? Like, was it a moment or was it just a bunch of nudges that sort of prompted you one day to say, okay, I need to pay attention here? <laughs> yeah, that's such a great question. And I just want to make sure I'm speaking it with it mindfully to respect past people in my life. And so after like 30th birthday, I'd experienced a couple things like with my health, I experienced a miscarriage and also I have had something coming up with my kidneys and I was in the hospital and out of the hospital with it. And I found myself to be really alone in my life. And I was like, why am I doing this all by myself? Yeah, right. I found that I was living a life that I had saw as in my, in my childhood, and it wasn't what I wanted. So 
being like doing everything alone, being so alone. And I was so disconnected from myself at the time Mm -hmm. as well. So it made a lot of sense now of why I was in that because if you're not connected to within, you can't expect anyone else to be connected to you either. So now looking back at myself, I have so much compassion and forgiveness for me, but also like for the people that were in my life as well. Because we were live all living quite unconsciously and kind of just living from our programming instead of living with intention. That's beautiful. And it's so true. If there is a disconnection, it usually starts with ourself and connecting to ourself. And then you said, I'm not sure if that happened around the same time, that you had a spiritual awakening again, which was a reconnection to God, to mm-hmm. Jesus. And so were you raised in church? Did you grow up um, with a strong faith when you were younger? Yeah, that's a great question. It was like, my mother did bring me to church. She brought me and my sisters to church a lot and all different types of churches. Mm-hmm. I really feel like she was trying to find her own self, her own faith. Yeah, right? she was a seeker. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And so I got knowledge and wisdom from that. Like when my mom got cancer, she got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer when I was 17. I like pray to God every day. And I actually joined like an outside of school. I was in grade 12. I joined like an out of school prayer group that we'd meet before school started in the mornings at like 7am and pray for an hour before we went to school. And so I started doing that with them as well, like before school. And just like, cause the more people that like, I find like wish or manifest or pray for the same thing. I find that I really feel like it's more powerful than just doing it all by yourself. And at the time I was 17 and I got told that my mom had three months to live. So that was really scary. I didn't know what to do. So I ended up dropping all my classes in high school because I luckily had enough credits to graduate and I did everything I could to take care of her. Yeah. I can't even imagine. You said you have sisters. Were you the oldest? Yeah, I'm the oldest. My dad is like works a lot. He's very hardworking. So I took care of my sisters as best as I could to like made their doctor's appointments and I planned my sister's birthday party and I looked out for them as much as I could at at my capacity at 17. (laughs) Yeah, that is so hard. And moments like that really do shape the trajectory of our life. And so what do you take from those moments that you had with your mom being able to care for her and her, she was transitioning? Yeah. So, so grateful for them. She was such a role model for like power. She was such a strong, courageous woman. She did not want to leave us. And so she did whatever she could to be there and didn't want to leave. So I remember her getting so, so small, like tiny, because when they give you three months to live, they throw everything they can at you. So the most radiation your body could handle, like the strongest chemo that is just being tested, etc. So she got so small and they wouldn't let her go to her treatments if she didn't weigh in a certain amount of weight. And I remember like making them was trying to make those fattening milkshakes for her because she had lung cancer. So her throat was super sore from the radiation. She couldn't eat. And so 
I'd make her like cold, like really fattening milkshakes as much as I could and to get her to eat them. But also she like loved like playing bingo and like cards with her friends. And she had like this massive bag full of nickels and quarters and dimes. And she would actually wear a fanny pack underneath her like super baggy clothes and fill it up with all her change so that she could weigh in for her treatments. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. No. No. That's amazing. What did that do for your relationship with God after your mom passed? I was really angry with him. Like really angry. Like when you're young, you can't really understand that. And especially when it's like the most important person in your life. She was like the rock of our family. She held us all together. And losing someone that is the one person you could always count on is devastating. And I was really angry. And like when you see other people that get to survive and you ask like, why them and why them? You go into questioning, how is that fair? And now looking at it, I can have a lot more peace in my heart about not necessarily, I don't need to know the whys, but I believe that it's a soul contract and she decided that was her time to go. Yeah. And I forgive it. I forgive myself. I forgive her. I forgive the rest of my family. We're literally just trying to survive through that. And I'm so grateful that she was a wonderful mother. I'm very lucky. She did like dedicate her life to us. So having said that, I have a lot to be grateful for, even though she's gone now. And I really enjoy talking about her. Like I will tell everyone that will listen about her still, even though she's been gone for about 15 years now, almost 15 years. And like when I went to Mexico last week and one of my friends that went with me, she'd lost her mom as well, from cancer as well. And we both kind of have a joke that our moms brought us together and like they're together on the other side watching us. And so she has some special moments with Mexico with her mom and so do I. And so we wrote their names in the sand and it was really, really sweet and beautiful. So I still want to make sure that she has a legacy here through me and through my sisters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she definitely does. I mean, I only know you, but she's done an amazing job raising you and guiding you to be who you are today. And so what was your spiritual journey like then? So you went through this and being really angry with God after this happened, what was your journey like? And then how would you describe it today? <sighs> my journey after my mom passed away. Yeah. What was your journey like with God? So it sounds mm-hmm. like your twenties, you said you were I was very out of body in my 20s. And when I started to come back to myself after I turned 30, it was kind of like overnight. I actually posted today on my Instagram the quote from this book. It's funny that you're asking me. I read the book, The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer. And I love him. <laughs> I love him. And that's my favorite book by him. And that book brought me back to God. Like when people would say the word God before, I'd actually be triggered. I was uncomfortable with saying it or hearing it. And after reading that, I believed that the trigger was gone. It was amazing. 
And so from there, I just started getting to know God, like through myself, through nature, through others, more and more and more. And I started to be able to see God in others, in myself, and in the world around us, in nature. It's so beautiful. For sure. It's so interesting. Maybe it's part of it is the circles that you and I are part of in our communities, but I do feel people are starting to use the word God for many years. Even I didn't want to, I didn't want to trigger someone because I know that many people have their own experiences with church or with religion itself. And that sometimes that clouds our relationship with our creator, the divine God. Mm. But I'm starting to notice that people are finding their way back in different ways. It's never a straight line. It's a winding path. So that's why I was very curious about your own experience. And even for me, definitely had family, my grandparents, very, very faithful and just really devout and always reading the Bible. And so I was raised kind of in the word and reading it. My parents didn't go to church all the time. And then when my husband and I became parents, we said, no, we want to raise our kids in a church. And we were like your mom. We literally went and probably visited over 20 churches going, where are we going to raise our kids? Because we wanted to make sure that it was inviting and open. Like we just wanted to feel aligned and we wanted to feel the Holy Spirit there. And I remember when we found our church, I just bawled. I was just in the service and I was like, oh, I feel something here and I feel it within me. And that's kind of how we found our church. And then I feel through all these other spiritual practices of yoga, meditation, and reading books outside of traditional Christian and Judeo-Christian texts, I even found myself growing even closer to God in a new way. I feel like now God, in my definition, is so big, it can't even be defined. It's so much bigger than just the four walls of a building. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. So you have a beautiful, beautiful somatic breathwork practice. Can you tell us a little bit? I want to know a little bit about your mission and who you serve, who your clients are, because I really wish that we lived closer together because I would love to attend something in person. You do a lot Uh, of in-person events. mm -hmm. Okay. So my practice is more based on like where I have been and what I've overcome myself. I serve women that are more on their own healing journey already, that have spirituality already, and that are just looking for the next level or trying to get past a few certain little blocks that they just can't seem to get past through. One of the main things I've noticed is when I started doing everything, it was more like mindset work and affirmations and stuff. And once I got into the breath work and the somatics, that's when the actual lasting transformation happened for me because I would do the affirmations or even I started, I did tons of clinical counseling and stuff as well. And once I started doing the breath work and somatic, things just stopped coming back. So I would go to counseling. It would be great during it. And then once I stopped the counseling, then the old stuff would start coming back again into my life. It would creep back. This time I've found that nothing has creeped back. It's a big, big difference. So I'm so passionate about showing other women how to keep those running thoughts, like the victim mentality, the cycles of unworthiness. When you look in the mirror, you just don't 
like yourself. It's a word. I want to say suffering, but like those types of things that bring you down is that that's what I want to work on with women. So I want to bring women to get back and connect to their bodies again. And I found that once I started truly loving who I am without wanting to change anything, just accepting myself and loving myself as I am right now, all of those running thoughts, even the anxiety I used to really suffer from, it's all has fallen away. I started loving all the parts of me that I've been suppressing or hating or wanting to shove in the closet and never look at again. Yeah. I've been bringing them all to the surface and loving them in their messiness, in their <laughs> uncomfortableness, in the pain. And in that love, the bigness of those emotions or of those parts, they kind of just dissipate in a way. Yeah. Like it's softer. It doesn't feel so heavy or scary anymore. You can start to look at them and be like, okay. And even when they come up now, they're more of a gentler emotion or a gentler feeling. And then I'm like, okay, you're here. I see you, but I'm still okay. It's not like life shattering stuff that I used to experience. Before I would have such bad panic attacks, I would pass out. Right. Wow. Yeah. Like it was severe panic attacks and anxiety. What was and triggering them? Do you remember? Yeah. I have experienced quite a bit of abuse in my life, like physical abuse. And that is when the main thing was from when things would come up that would cause fear in me, I would get a panic attack from that. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. And I do know what you're talking about is really experiencing the somatic healing is different than doing something to just focus in on the thinking mind, which really is so deceptive. <laughs> we can't trust that thing. But the Liar. body does feel and know and understand and is so innately intelligent. Mm -hmm. It's just allowing ourselves to feel safe. Why do you think that so many of us don't feel safe in our bodies or feel like we can really let go and surrender? That's such a good question. <laughs> it's probably because they've never experienced safety outside of the body either, yeah. like especially when they're growing up, like in childhood and in adolescence, even if you've grown up in a house that you didn't feel like there was traumatic happen to you, if you experienced a lot of chaos, if there was a lot of fighting or shouting, or maybe it was a really quiet house and that you didn't get spoken to a lot, all of that would create an unsafetiness because you're not really able to regulate your own emotions at those ages. You need help from your caregivers. So they need to listen to you or touch you and help to bring your nervous system back down to regulation. And so if you're in a heightened, I want to say like heightened arousal in your nervous system, sometimes you never go back down again. And so if it's constantly in fight or flight, fight or flight all the time, you're not going to feel safe. You're going to feel like there's an emergency all the time. And there's always a sense of urgency and you won't be able to calm and lean back and relax. And that shows up in so many different ways, especially in women too. We tend to become someone that 
has to continuously do something all the time. I'm not sure if you've ever been like this though. Before I've done all this healing, if someone like came home and I was relaxing, I'd feel guilty and go up and pretend like I was doing something. I wouldn't want someone to see me relaxing because I felt guilty for for being lazy. But it wasn't lazy. Like we're allowed to relax and it was a completely fabrication in your belief or in that thinking mind saying that, you're lazy if you're laying somewhere or relaxing if someone else sees you. And the same exact thing as my experience as well with food and with eating. Sometimes I didn't want people to see me eating. And so I would eat in secret because I felt like I was uncomfortable with that as well. And it's all stuff that comes from when you were younger is that you don't feel safe. And so unless that part gets recognized, looked at, named, loved, held, it's not going to heal. For sure. And also judgment. We hear so much of what you're describing is sense of judgment. Somebody said, oh, if you relax, you're lazy. Or how dare you not be productive? Or don't you see the mess that's around here? And Mm so we've learned that behavior. And then we have some shame around it. If we feel like, and I still struggle relaxing when I do it, it feels so amazing, but it's definitely something I'm practicing. I don't do it really well. And part of that maybe is North Americans. I think that if you go to other parts of the world, some people are much more comfortable doing that. They take naps in the afternoon, their siesta, the stores are closed. People are much more in touch with spending time in nature, doing other things. But I think we've just been so conditioned for so long to constantly be producing And that is one of our functions in life is to produce, to be productive, to be helpful, that we've lost touch with some of these things that feel so good and so natural because we are so disconnected to our bodies also. If we listen to the signals our bodies were telling us, we'd know, oh, you might need a nap or maybe you need to rest or maybe you should clear your calendar out today or go for a walk instead. But we hear sometimes those prompts and we still say no, and we still decide to do something different. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced that yourself? Are you working on that? Are you recovering (laughs) like I am? (laughs) Uh, I hear that so much and I am recovering. That is one of the things I feel like I've mastered now is the art of relaxing with intention. And that's been new from this year. What does that look like? Tell me more. I love that. Relaxing with intention. Yeah, relaxing with intention. So actually it it started when I I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism and I was seeing a a wonderful Chinese doctor to help me heal that because I didn't want to go with the Western medicine at the time. And I still haven't taken any of the medicine, but I want to try and heal it through my body, through my food, through my environment. And so one of the things that she wanted me to do was to rest. And I was like, rest? (laughs) What do you mean? I'm normally someone that would work three jobs and have a full social calendar. And like, I used to be very active going to the gym and hikes and et cetera. And she said I wasn't allowed to go to the gym for two months and I had to rest. And I was like, wow, okay, this is weird. So I started going to lay on the couch because I was from the hypothyroidism. I was really tired, like exhausted. Even if I had nine hours, 10 hours of sleep, I'd wake up still so tired. 
And then but I would beat myself up about being exhausted. And so that running thought would continue on in my mind. But I started off small. So I started off like five, 10 minutes that I would, okay, I'm going to sit and lay down here and not do anything. And if anything comes up in my mind that says that I'm lazy or that I should be going to do something, I'm going to tell them that's fine. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This is on my schedule to rest. So (laughs) that's what I started to do. And now, even though I'm allowed to do more stuff, I, I work out and stuff now, I still, if I get a cue that I need to rest, I go lay down. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I I love that. (laughs) No, you can't feel bad about it. And I do see you posting. One of the things I also love about you, and I've told you this, is you do such a nice job posting and sharing what you do and some of your routines. And so what are some of the things that you do that has been so important and critical in your healing journey that you wish others would maybe listen and and do incorporate some of those things into their own experience in their own days? Mm, Okay. One of the main things that I started doing, it probably was 2021, is I started going outside every day. Every single day, 30 to 45 minutes. And like going between your house and the car does not count. It's intentionally being outside and either walking or just standing there or maybe driving to the ocean or to a lake and just looking at it. And that was a major one. Also adding in movement every day as well, whatever that looked like to me at the time and eating a lot cleaner. So eating more natural, real food, not processed foods or extra sugars and stuff. All of that made a huge difference actually in my connection to source and to God as well. When I do those things, when I eat clean and I go outside a lot and I move my body my intuition is in way more intense. Even when I do breath work, three days leading up to my in-person breath work sessions, I make sure I am so clean in my eating, in my sleep, in my water, because it helps me with like the channeling yeah. right when I'm going into my session. Because I don't have any notes when I do anything. I don't have right. notes about anything. I speak to our creator and say, what does this person need for healing? Please let it come through me. Let my touch come through me. Let it come through me. Let whatever they need to hear come through me. And the response and the testimonials I've had from my clients are incredible of what does come through. And they're like, how did you know? And like, I didn't. I just tuned in and tapped into their system and then tapped into source and then just let myself be a conduit of what needed to happen for them. I love that. I teach meditation and breath work in the mornings and I've never scripted any of those. And I do it six days a week. And it's the same thing. I do my own work beforehand and I do my prayers, my worship. I also connect to God and just say, what do people need to hear today? And inevitably it's a word, it's a phrase, it's an intention, something. And then people will go, I felt like you were talking directly to me. (laughs) And I'm like, well, first you're going to hear what it is that you need to hear because it does work that way too. Mm -hmm. But I love this idea of making sure to be super intentional before you do it, being really clean. I fast, so I don't eat before I teach usually because I don't want to be fuzzy. I don't want my digestion to be taking any of my energy. I want to be able to be a channel vessel as well. 
Mm-hmm. But tell me a little bit more about what you do in person, because we talked a little bit about it. And I did go buy those candles that you told me about mm-hmm. at Costco. <laughs> I bought two packs. They were on sale. I was like, oh, they're so beautiful. Because in one of your stories, I can't remember where you had your suitcase and you're like, here's what's in my suitcase when I go and do my in-person sessions. And you have those gorgeous candles. And I was like, where did you get them? Because they're mm-hmm. battery. So mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about flames and in case anyone knocks it over. So paint a picture of what this looks like in an in-person event. And I know each one might be slightly different, but what can you share if anyone is local and wants to work with you? Oh, let's see. Well, what to expect is to be completely supported by me in every session. Now I go in again with a really clean energetic before we even start. My embodiment is almost all the time. So I start our sessions and the momentum starts for our sessions, sometimes days before we actually meet. And what they can expect is some journaling, connection to themselves, some meditation, intentional breathing in a way that feels good to them. I have a trauma-informed level two breathwork certificate. And so what that looks like to someone is it is supportive with their choice. So it's not as, I want to say like a a masculine breathwork session. It's not like that. I'm sure I have Lots of people, their first time has been like that with the counting and the required holds of how many seconds you have to hold your breath, etc. These are more collaborative, intuitive um, for transformational change. So I don't count for people. I don't tell them that they have to hold their breath for any longer than what they feel comfortable with. So it keeps you more in a container of safety with me. I find that it's more softer, more feminine. It's more of like a warm little nest where your mom's (laughs) taking care of you. That's what I really want to create in those journeys. And it's a place where you could go even deeper than you could do alone. When you have that sense of someone's there holding you, mostly physically too, because I do add intuitive touch in my journeys, Mm. is when someone's there holding you, you have the safety and the bigger capacity to go deeper into yourself and to feel what needs to be felt for the long lasting change. And every single person always feels different after a session with me, whether that is lighter, quieter, more joy of release or more love. Like I bring in lots of gratitude during the breathwork sessions and whatever mantras or things that need to be said out loud. Beautiful. That's what it looks like. Yeah. It sounds so good. Tell me a little bit more about intuitive touch and what is that? Is it similar to what people might experience in yoga, maybe at the end in Shavasana? Yeah, it's pretty similar. So I picked this up in the level two breathwork certification. I feel like we all receive this incredible transmission from Samantha's healer. Her name's Raina. And so after I left level two, my tracking with someone else's system is amplified by a hundred. Wow. So when I'm breathing someone or breathing a group, I can tap into their energy lines, energy systems in their body and feel where stuck energy is. 
And so when someone is breathing or going through a process, generally their eyes are closed and they will just be breathing. Sometimes they're not crying. Sometimes they are, but I just know where to touch them on their body. And when I've done this, I've had so many women now tell me that when I've touched them on their chest or on their shoulders, on their head, that they had like an explosion of energy throughout their body. And it like moves the blockness. It moves whatever needs to come out. Some people burst into tears after I touch them and people will make loud noises. They'll get some sort of a release. It is wild to see and very incredible. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Definitely need to make my way in person to you. That sounds so good. So Christine, if people want to work with you, obviously you're in Vancouver, but if people want to work with you virtually, those that might be listening, do you have ways for people to work with you, even if it's not in person? Yes. I offer virtually somatic coaching and breath work one-on-one containers. So I have a program that I'm offering now called the Vital Upgrade because my company is called Vital Breath. So the Vital Upgrade is a 10-week program one-on-one with me. And it's for women that already are on a spiritual journey and want to heal. And they've tried other modalities and it just doesn't not working for them. And there's still things that are coming up in their subconscious and coming up in their subconscious. And how I describe it to my clients, if you want to visualize with me right now, mm-hmm. imagine that your subconscious is like a long hallway full mm-hmm. of closet. Okay. And in each closet is a version of you, younger, little you. Isn't, I know that it's not, it's not nice to put them in the closet, but we put them in the closet. So each closet has a child or like an adolescent version of you that you've locked away in this closet mm-hmm. in your subconscious. And for the subconscious, that records every single thing that's ever happened to you, good or bad. Your subconscious is just a program, a recording of, of the events that have happened in your life. It's there to keep you alive. Your subconscious controls your heartbeat, your hair growing, your digestion, and your breath. So that is how we can access your subconscious through the breath. It's like the back door to this hallway of closets that I'm going to tell you about. Amazing. So the, the hallway of closets have all little you in there, okay, that we've locked away. And so in counseling, in mindset work, this is what I've experienced myself and many of my clients have as well, is that you do the work, you're feeling good, and then something comes up in your life like content and all of a sudden you have this reaction to it that's not you. It's completely out of line or irrational and you're like, where did this come from and I can't control it? Even though I've done all this work, this still came up. For example, you have certain emotions and you start to binge eat, or you have certain emotions and then you react very angrily. You have certain emotions and you shut down and you dissociate. So all these different emotions, I consider them to be the children that are in the closet. Okay. So something created that part of you, that child, that inner child of you. And when that same thing that shows up in your life, that's similar, that child opens up the door, comes flying out and takes over. (laughs) This makes so much sense. (laughs) Right? I'm sure others are listening going, yeah, I can see when I'm triggered who's coming out. Yes. They come out 
and they take over. Usually people are full of shame. They beat themselves up. They hate that child and throw them back in the closet and shut the door because there's so much shame and anger or regret or whatever, what have you, or self-hatred. And so in somatics and in breath work, what we do together, because you can't do this alone, it's way too scary. And you hit your wall of what you can handle way too quick. When you're with someone else, it gives you a sense of safety. It gives you a chance to be to open the closet and look. Look at the child that's in the closet, your inner you, your little you in that closet. And what we do is we open the closet door together. We look. And when we look at it, we feel. We feel whatever emotion is in there. And we meet it with love instead of hating it and throwing it back in the closet. And when we do that, it gives the inner part of you, that inner little you, a chance to feel safe. And sometimes it can take a few sessions. So we open up the closet door. Sometimes we can just look at the closet, the child, and we have to close it again because it's too much. Each person's completely different of how they react to each individual's part of them. But the next session, we can open up a little bit more and maybe we can sit with it a little bit longer. Maybe we can even pull it out and put it on our lap. And eventually we get to the place where we can just leave the doors open and we don't have to lock them up anymore. They become part of us. Instead of hating hating those little parts of you and keeping them hidden, we bring them out and we love the hell out of them. Wow. And that's in a 10-week program. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. And it's true. We do tend to put those things away. We don't want to see them. We don't want to necessarily remember those parts of us. So quite amazing. So if people wanted to find you, what is the best way that they can connect with you? Well, they could add me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. My Instagram handle is at vital underscore breath. That's V-I-T-A-L underscore B-R-E-A-T-H. Also, I could offer your listeners a free meditation if they like as well, if you want to put it in the show notes. I'd love that. People would absolutely love it. And your meditations are amazing. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So they can listen to me. We can like spend some time together and they could, you know, get a taste of what I'm about. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I highly recommend it. We just did a breath session recently and I was just like, I felt so held. As you said, I just felt so safe and held magic and your voice is just silk. So beautiful. (laughs) perfect for the work that you do. Christine, one of the things I always ask all my guests is what does it mean to you to live the width of your life? Hmm. Hmm, I love that question. And what it means to me is letting myself be exactly who I really am and not pretend to be anyone else and letting myself be large and yeah, knowing who I really am. That's what it means to me. That's beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. I just adore you. And I'm so grateful that you spent the afternoon with me. Thank you so much, Annetta. This has been such an honor. I really appreciate your time. And you're such a sweet angel. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. If today's conversation inspired you to dream again, break out of your comfort zones, or reflect on what it means to you to live more fully, then please follow this podcast because every week you'll hear more stories from people just like you who took imperfect action towards their goals, created more joy, and are living the life that they always dreamt of living.